We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to endeavor to cover all the topics I've been avoiding. You know, those controversial ones. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Today, I want to address those things, but maybe not in the way that you think. Maybe it's a way you've never heard it before, but, but, but I want to go there, and I want to do it all in 29 minutes. Um, anyone believing with me? Anyone believing with me? Oh, ye of little faith. You know, we're, we're going to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to perform this miracle. Amen. Because if I can keep to that, it would, it would be definitely a miracle. But no, for real, let's just get into it. I want to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to structure my message with three basic points. In a minute, I'll reveal those points. I don't want to reveal them ahead of time because then you'll start trying to think ahead with me. But, but there'll be three simple points. And then I also want to share with you from God's word the foundation that Jesus gives us about the spirit and then how Paul builds on that foundation. And Paul will give us a little bit more details, but Jesus sets the foundation, amen? And so let's go there. And let's start with what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7. Now, here's some more teaching. John chapter 7 is, is towards the middle to beginning part of Jesus' ministry. And so he introduces the Holy Spirit there to his disciples and he talks about it. We'll read it in a second. But then he unfolds way more teaching in John 14, 15, 16 and 17 chapters 14 15 16 and 17 four chapters that he deals in much more detail uh, with the holy spirit and the subject of the holy spirit and this is towards the end of his ministry because he knows he's going to be crucified he's going to conquer death he's going to go and take his place at the right hand of the father and he's going to be sending the holy spirit and he wants the disciples to know some additional information but let's start with where he starts And here is the promise of the Holy Spirit in John 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, I just want you, I mean, sometimes we read the Bible and we're just so serious. I just want you to think about this for a second. In our culture, this would be kind of strange. Someone stands up and goes, hey, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Anyone find that kind of odd? I mean, you might have somebody, somebody, uh, I'll have another drink. I mean, who knows? I don't know. You know, but, but this is a spiritual feast. He's a spiritual man. He's a rabbi. And he's yelling out at this, at the end of the feast. And he just puts it out there. If anyone's thirsty, is he speaking in physical terms? No. So I imagine people have to reconcile that immediately and go, is he speaking? What is he talking about? How many people actually knew what he was talking about? But he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And drink. He's just saying this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, when he gets to that part, I would be like, 
wow. I don't know what this man is talking about, but that sounds amazing. How many of you hear that? Here, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you come and have some of the, of, of the water I want to give you, you will be like a never-ending spring, a river of living water. I just think about the, the, the beautiful rivers that flow down from the mountains in Colorado. You go, I've never been to Colorado. I'm not real familiar with Colorado. How about, how about the, the, the Frio River? I just think of the Frio River and how beautiful that, those springs, they come from deep inside the ground and they refresh that, that, that dry, hot land. And you know, it doesn't matter how long it's been, they just keep flowing. I can remember being a kid and being taken there by my parents and now I'm taking my children in the same river, the same rapids, the same place. And it's like nothing's changed because God refreshes that river with streams from deep inside. You know, that's what he's saying. And and, and you know what? The Frio River, I don't care how many Californians buy up the land around there, it's still refreshing. Amen? Amen? Some of you are going, oh my gosh, what is he talking about? I'm talking about the rivers of living water that Jesus is describing here. What do you think when you think of that? Or maybe you go spiritual immediately and you start to think, you know, he's talking about those qualities that I've had a hard time with. Maybe he's talking about like the Holy Spirit coming and taking residence inside of us. Watch, listen to what he says. Believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the what? The Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. And so he's saying, when you believe in me, I'm going to give you a spirit, a supernatural change inside that from inside of you will flow a refreshment. And he's going to, he's talking about things like peace and love and joy and kindness and patience, just to name a few. As a matter of fact, the Bible in the book of Galatians chapter five, towards the end of the chapter, lists nine fruits of the spirit that flow out of the life of a Christian. Can anyone just say, pastor, I want that. I need that. Holy spirit, come fill my life. I want to know what it's like to walk in peace and joy and and patience and kindness because you know the truth be told I look at my life sometimes and it's hard it's really hard to see those fruits just flowing out of me like living water am I the only one that looks at my life sometimes and says I know some non-Christians that can be more patient than me You know, I know some non-Christians that when they get on the road they don't get as frustrated as me Am I the only one that just gets on the road and immediately just starts tensing up? I got to remind myself, living water, living water. You know, it's like, you know what? I want to live. I want to live like this without always having to have others reminding me. I have a big sermon on it to do some great grand revival about it. I just want this to be natural state of who God has called me to be. That's what we're going to talk about here today. 
We're going to talk about saying, Lord, let this river of living water flow through me. And I know that it's by the Spirit. So let's get into it. Watch this. This he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet come because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not yet been crucified. He had not been resurrected and ascended to the Father. So this has not yet happened, but he's saying it's going to happen. And it in fact does. Why? Because everything God proclaims, he performs. That's what it means to be God. He performs. Why? Because he is able and he doesn't lie. So if he says it, it's done. But, but, but watch some key words here. Those believing in him would receive. Now watch what the New Testament says about that. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe, I mean, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross, that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. You shall, that's a contractual word. You shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Watch this. Those believing in him would receive. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? You you believe. You believe. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You believe. Watch this. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. A wage is something you earn. What do you earn? Death. That's separation from God eternally for sinning. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, including me. Every one of us, especially me. Have sinned. Well, what is sin? The wage of sin is death. So I know that I earn death for this thing called sin. What is it? Write it out. S. I N and circle the I. It's an I attitude. It's a, I know you should be in charge and I know that you're God, but I think I'll do it my way. I want to have the last say. It's an I attitude. So you earn death for this sin, but comma, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God. That's not the end of the story. Now, as Paul Harvey says, now the rest of the story. The rest of the story is what? Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life. But watch, very, very important to to study the words in God's word. The gift is different from a wage. Wage of sin, death. Gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus. What's a gift? It's something you receive. You don't earn it. Here we go again. Watch this. But he spoke this concerning the spirit whom those believing would receive. So how do you receive this gift? You believe. If what? You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he died. On a cross for you and for me. And that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. How? How? By believing. 
So Jesus spoke this, but it hadn't yet happened. So he dies, he rises, he tells his disciples, I need you to go wait for the Holy Spirit, I promised you. By chapter two in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes just as he promised. He descends and this is where we pick up the story. Let's just read some of this in the book of Acts. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful thing that's taking place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now you have this idea of believing, receiving, and now you have another concept of being filled. Okay, keep it, can we keep it straight? I want you to be confused. Because that goes with my first point, in a sense. Not really, I don't want you to, I mean, the pastor's not supposed to say I want to confuse you. No, but, but you'll see. You'll see. So you have believing, receiving. Now you have this concept of being filled. Okay, watch this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you're telling me that, oh, that's what I've heard, that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. Well, how about chapter chapter four? But first, let's read what else happens here. Because Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts to speak in tongues and he preaches heaven down. I mean, the man just lays it down, the gospel message, and people start to be convicted and accept the Lord. And this is what happens, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Their hearts were broken, they were cut, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Now watch what Peter says to them. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for those who are far off. That's you and I. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I believe, I receive. Now Peter is filled. He preaches. Others say, what do we do? And they receive by repenting and being baptized. What is going on here? Okay. You believe and receive Believing is repentance. Believing is saying, I used to go in my direction, right? Sin, circle the I, an I attitude. I'm in charge of my life, me, myself, and I. But now I'm going to have, listen, metanoia, we define this word in the Greek, means a changing of the mind which causes you to change course. I change my mindset. I am no longer in charge. Oh Lord, I died of myself and now I let you lead me. Therefore, I repent. I receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit through baptism. Wait a minute. You have to be baptized to be saved? What if I'm saved but I don't want to get baptized? What are you doing? Why do we talk like this in Christian circles? Why not just do what the word says? 
Like, I don't want to show up to heaven's gates on, and, and just try to claim a technicality. That's not where you play with, right? Like, I, technically, I didn't know if I had to be baptized. Right? No, no, you're going to see how baptism plays a part. You go, but, but wait a minute. What if I'm saved, but I don't get a chance to be baptized? Well, doesn't God know? But what if you have the chance, you just don't want to? So I'm just reading you what the word says. This is for those in your family and afar off. That's me and you too. Now let's go to Acts chapter four. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that filled again. He preaches to the rulers of the people and the elders. And this is what happens. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak with boldness. So there's this filling of one person. He preaches, they pray, and everybody's filled now. Wow, keep that in mind. I'm building all kinds of concepts here. So you start with one person, now you're going to multiple people, and now they're all praying and all being filled. Okay? Keep that in mind. Let's go to chapter 7 of the book of Acts. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, there's that concept of being filled, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I want you to think about this because the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen is being martyred, he's being killed for his faith. The Bible says the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of power emboldened him. He was filled. This verse says he was filled. And when he's dying, heaven opens up and Jesus is no longer sitting. He's standing. That does something to my heart. That just... I mean, does anybody feel what I just felt right there? But, but he's filled. So let's go to chapter 9. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now who is this man named Saul? Saul is Paul. But I thought Paul was Paul. Who is Saul? Saul was what Paul was before he was Paul. You go, that just confused me. Okay, he used to persecute the church. That means put Christians to death. God showed up while he was on a horse riding to persecute more Christians. And on that high horse, God blinded him. He fell off his horse. He proclaimed faith in Jesus. And now he's blind. And the Holy Spirit's been working on him and sends another brother to lay hands on him. How many of you have ever had a bad experience on a horse? I know I did. I almost died on a horse. I know you don't think so because I'm from the city, but I got bucked off a horse once. And that horse would have drugged me to my death. If that Walmart attendant hadn't come and pulled the plug. <laughs> I was five years old. <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Some people are like, that's so bad. Um, 
And some folks are still trying to figure out what Walmart had to do with anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, look, Paul was blinded. Now he's receiving his sight. But, but the most important thing, the Bible says he laid hands on him. He received his sight and the Holy Spirit. Well, he didn't receive the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, very, very, very important distinction. I'm sorry. He already received the Holy Spirit, I believe, when he received Jesus. But now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So you've got this idea of being, what? Receiving and now being filled? Let's keep reading. Because a couple of chapters later, now Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So now he's ministering, being filled after Ananias uh, laid hands on him. Now let's go to Acts 19, and it starts to become more clear, I think. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Ephesus is a very important city. You'll see this. Because I'm laying a foundation based on Jesus' teaching And then I'm showing you examples from the book of Acts, which is where we're at now. And then I'm going to finish it up with Paul's teaching, primarily from from Ephesians. So watch this. In the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So he finds a group of men. There's 12 of them. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. Watch. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You. Come on, say it with me. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You believe. So he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Watch what they say to him. No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Anybody going, what? No, let me, let me. They have not heard the gospel. Watch. You can tell. Watch this. When you believe, they said no. And he said to them, then into what then were you baptized? Remember, believe, receive. But then what did Peter tell the people? This is how you believe. You repent, right? And you're what? Baptized. So Paul is saying, did you believe? We have no idea what to believe in. Well, then how were you baptized? You see the connection there? How were you baptized? And then watch this. And they said into John's baptism. Who's John? John the Baptist. Now watch what Paul says. And Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of what's repentance? I changed my mind. I turn in my direction and I'm baptized and I believed. So what is Paul doing here? Paul's trying to figure out what is going on. Something's not adding up because you don't know the Holy Spirit. And you don't know of Jesus? 
but you were baptized by John? Who else was baptized by John? Yeah, Jesus was baptized by John. Guess who else? John the disciple was baptized by John. Andrew was baptized by John. James was baptized by John. Peter was baptized by John. That's just the name of you. You know what's happened? You have disciples of disciples of disciples of John that have somehow gotten it twisted and are no longer preaching the gospel of Jesus. They're preaching a gospel of John. Can, can you hear me? And this is what Paul is saying. No other name under heaven is given among men by which we may be saved than the name of Jesus. There is but one baptism and it's in the name of Jesus. Repentance from your way and following him in the name of Jesus is salvation. It's in the name of Jesus. He makes it very, very clear here. Now watch this. The reason I'm bringing this up is because some people say, but, but my parents baptized me when I was a little kid. It, that's not the baptism that the New Testament shows. The baptism the New Testament shows is when you repent. When you repent, you give your life to Christ. But are you discounting that? I'm not discounting that. They're good parents. They said, Lord, we dedicate our children to you. But you can't get through heaven on their faith. You've got to get to heaven on your faith. They start you off on the path, but ultimately you got to go through the gate. You yourself, by yourself, go through the gate. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so this is what's happening here. Now watch. Watch. He said, the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Some are saying, well, pastor, does that mean there's a second baptism of the Holy Spirit? You're not listening. There's one baptism. And it's in the name of Jesus. And it's at that point you receive the Holy Spirit. But what if I don't speak in tongues? He gets to decide. I'm not here to tell you about that. I'm here to tell you that God gives the gifts according to what he needs in his church at the time. You'll see that. You'll see that. And I'm here to tell you this. That there's a lot dealing with this subject that I don't know. And I'm just helping to bring light on some of the mystery. And I really do see it as a mystery. I just humbly come before you as a pastor, not trying to be a know-it-all, but a steward of the mystery. Watch. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew, Greek, slave, free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So watch what he says. He says, We received through the baptism, but then we're filled through the drinking of the spirit. So the best I can tell is there's two things we're talking about here. There's receiving the Spirit when we're saved. And then there's the filling of the Spirit that empowers us to do what we're called to do. So 
So watch. In Ephesians, I'm going to start at the end of Ephesians, but I want to share with you how Ephesians is structured. I know, I know I'm covering a lot. Is everybody still good? Okay, watch this. Ephesians is structured this way, and it's very, very important. Chapter 1 of Ephesians talks about the predestination of God predestining you, knowing you before you knew yourself, loving you even when you didn't love him, and moving from heaven to earth to save you. It's the awesome power of the salvation of God. But then chapter 2 talks about you receiving that love. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves that no man can boast, but you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So then he talks about God's awesome power in salvation, you accepting it, right? Receiving by believing Then chapter 3, he goes into this concept of the mystery. And in matter of fact, he says mystery in chapter 3 about four or five times. Literally, I I am a steward of the mystery. I have been assigned to make the mystery known to you. And, And he talks in these terms. And then he says, now to him who is able to do, chapter 3, verse 20. Now if to him who is able to do exceedingly... And abundantly, come on, if you know it, above and beyond whatever we could hope for, imagine, or dream, according to his work, his power that is at work in you. So he's connecting this mystery with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to do great things. And then in chapter 4, he says, this is how you walk in the Spirit. Don't walk as unbelievers. That's the way you used to be. You're different now. You repented. You changed. Don't give the devil a foothold. He talks about all of this. And then in chapter 5, he tells you how to do it. And then in chapter 6, he says, and when you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to engage in a warfare because the because the devil doesn't want you walking in the spirit. He's going to come after you, Alex. He's going to come after you hard. So he says, put on the full armor of God. And this is where I want to read this verse. He says, put on the full armor of God. And right after he lists the whole armor, he says this, pray in the spirit. So not only walk in the spirit, not only keep the armor of the spirit on, but now you pray in the spirit. Now watch this, pray on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You got to pray for your brothers and sisters. How often do we do that? If I were to chronicle my prayers, I'd probably pray for myself and my family more than anyone else. Yet Paul says, start with others. Start with others. Now watch this. Pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. The mysteries of the gospel. It's a mystery. Point number one, it's a mystery. These are going to go quick now. This then is how we ought to, you ought to regard us, 1 Corinthians 4 says. This then is how you should think of us. He's talking about apostles. He's talking about the writers of the gospel. This is what he says. He says, As servants of Christ and as those entrusted, what? With the mysteries. I think one of the reasons why there's been so much division 
when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that everyone is speaking like they know it all. Instead of just going to the gospel and saying, hey, it's a mystery, but this is what I read and, and, and this is what it seems you, know, you, you believe you receive. But then he talks about repentance and baptism. So how does that work? But then he talks about being filled. Then he talks about praying in the spirit. Then he talks about laying hands. Then he talks about speaking in tongues. Then he talks about gifts. Then he talks about fruit. Anyone get the sense that we're not called to be know-it-alls. We're just called to be stewards of the mystery. Of the mystery. It kind of reminds me of a message I heard from Pastor Francis Chan. How many of you like Francis? He's amazing. And he was talking about loving three-year-old, two-year-olds. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a pastor thing because I love two-year-olds. I don't touch babies. I'm sorry. I barely held my own baby. So if I don't hold your baby, don't get offended. But two-year-olds, three-year-olds, I love those guys because they're talking and they get into it, man. And my little boy used to get it. He, he, he thought he was Spider-Man. And man, he would come out with the Spider-Man suit. Remember that, babe? And he'd come out and he'd go, Dad. And I'd go, Josh. He'd go, no, it's Spider-Man. And he was into it. I mean, he really thought. And then, and then he would do this to me. He would come up to me and he'd go, Dad. And he'd hold my face and he'd go, look at me. Look at me. Because I used to tell him that when, when I would communicate with him. I'd say, son, look at me. Look at me. Right? Anyone do that? Look at me. I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying. So then he would go, Dad, look at me. And he goes, no, Dad, this is the way it is. And he'd start telling me about some galaxy or this or that or telling me about Spider-Man's new adventure. I mean, he was into it. Telling me how to do a somersault. And if I trusted enough, I could do it. And I said, at my age, no, I can't do it. But he would talk to me this way and he would explain things like he knew it all. Come on. And yet, sometimes I think that that's the way God sees us. Like I can see him in heaven right now, gathering the angels around. He goes, look, look at my son. Chris is trying to explain the mystery of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh my gosh, he is so cute. He is so cute. He thinks he knows it all. He is so wrong. I'm going to have to fix these people for the rest of their lives. I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) Hopefully we got close, right? Do do you see what I'm saying? I think sometimes we get so hung up, like we got to know it all. And that's why you have the, well, I believe this and I believe this and I believe this. And then they start fighting. like, stop. It's a mystery. If you speak in tongues, it's because the Holy Spirit needed you to, but maybe your brother doesn't. But maybe your brother has the gift, gift of hospitality, the gift of faith, the gift of preaching. There's different gifts, but it's a mystery. So watch this. We got to keep it simple. While it's a mystery and there's a lot we don't know, if we keep it simple, we'll major on what we do know. And I like to go to Jesus. This is where I'll lay the foundation from Jesus and then I'll put some Paul on it because we build on this foundation. You'll see. Watch this. Jesus says in chapter 14, and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. 
why can the world not receive the Spirit? Because to receive, you must believe. Okay? So watch this. Because the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Ha ha! Jesus says right off, where's the Holy Spirit going to be? In you. He already said in chapter 7, when you believe, you will receive, and he will be in you. Now watch chapter 15. He's using a word picture to help us better understand what he just said. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. A branch that is removed from the vine will die and not bear fruit. But if a vine, I mean, if a branch stays connected, it doesn't get severed or pruned, it stays connected, then it will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So watch what he's saying. Remain in me and I will remain in you. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you remain in Jesus? How do you remain in Jesus? You believe in Jesus and you say what? In faith, I give my life to you. And now that you are in Christ, Christ comes in you. That's what that word picture is right there. Keep going. Verse 26 at the end of that chapter says this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Do you realize that the the 16th chapter is about explaining that? The role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal you into the truth of Jesus Christ and to help bring this word to life. Anyone here say, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need to understand this word better. And in my own strength, I just can't do it. I need you. I need you. So watch. The father sends the son to reconcile us. The son dies on the cross for our sins and sends the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit might help us walk in that faith. The Bible says without the Holy Spirit, we cannot believe in God. But as we believe, we receive the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who what? Reveals us to the Son, who connects us to the Father. Isn't that amazing? That's what's happening here. So this is the foundation that Jesus lays. Now watch the way Paul explains some of the mystery. How do you walk in the Spirit then? How do you walk in the Spirit? Because we're talking about two things, it seems like. Receiving the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, what happens at the point of salvation, and then being filled with the Spirit. Letting Him control you. Remember, you received the Spirit, but then you were given to drink, and that filled you? So watch what Paul says here. He says in Ephesians 5.18, but you do not get drunk with wine. Because that leads to debauchery. He says, I don't want you getting drunk. Because that is debauchery. In one version it says, leads to debauchery. It's bad. Someone asked me once, uh, a young person asked me once, Pastor, what is debauchery? You know, like, (laughs) I started almost reaching into my past. (laughs) saying I can tell you all kinds of crazy things that happened in my life because of it. But let me just say this, that when you get drunk... You are out of control. Am I right? 
Anyone here experienced that before? You don't have to raise your hand. But when you get drunk, to stay drunk, you've got to keep on. Am I right? Well, it, it, you say to yourself, well, well, pastor, how do you know so much about this drinking business? I, I don't, but Terry told me. <laughs> Sorry, Terry, you were right there, man. <laughs> No, think about this. Think about it with me. Because he's using this for a reason, is he not? If you stop drinking, you stop what? Being under the influence. So Paul is saying, quit putting yourself under the influence of something worldly. Whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be your job, whether it be a need to succeed, whether it be a, 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 a need to please others, whether it be your children, stop doing that. Place yourself under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you drink the Holy Spirit and he fills you up, meaning he is in full control, what happens when you get completely drunk? You are completely out of con. Control. You need to be completely under the Spirit's control. This is why Jesus said, die to yourself that I might live in you and through you. How do I die to myself? That's another message. So keep it simple. It's all about unity. It's all about unity. You believe and you receive. And then he says, let the Holy Spirit control you that he might fill you. And John the Baptist said something serious, similar. I must decrease that he may increase. But it's all about unity. This is my third point and this is where we finish. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, the Bible says this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is what? In you? Remember what I said earlier. He did something in Peter. He filled Peter and then he filled the whole room. Remember, it was Peter filled. He preached, they prayed, and then they were all filled. Watch this. Do you not know that you specifically are the temple of the Holy Spirit? In chapter three of that same book, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. He's asking a question that of course answered yes. That's what that's what in fact is happening. Now watch what Peter says. 1 Peter 2. As you come to him as you come to the living stone that was rejected by men yet he was chosen and precious from God. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. And we come to him because in the Old Testament prophets, they said he was the stone the builders, what, rejected. We come to that stone that was out in the wilderness preaching the gospel, out everywhere he was. And people were coming, not the religious leaders, people like you and me. Now watch what happens here. He's talking figuratively. Verse 5, you yourselves are like living stones too. And are being built into a spiritual house. Mm. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices. Where do you offer spiritual sacrifices? 
in the temple of God. What were you just called? You were just called the temple of God. Do you not know that you're the temple of God? Now he's saying, now all of us are coming together and we're building a temple of God because we are all individual stones. We're, you're a stone, I'm a stone, we're all stones and God is building us into a what? A temple. What did he say in the Old Testament? He said, I will make you, you're gonna make me a tabernacle and eventually that tabernacle when we get into the promised land will become the what? temple that I may dwell among you, that I may dwell in you. And here it is coming to fruition. God wants to be in us through what? Now watch this. Go to Ephesians two. We're almost done for through him. We both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait, he's talking about who we are and then he's talking about us building on a foundation. Watch this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the very cornerstone. That's that same rock the builders rejected now God is building a holy temple for himself on Jesus Christ now watch this in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord some of us are going well look keep it simple it's all about unity you're the temple and now when you come together in the house of God we become the temple of God, every one of us, building on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. You want to know why we call our church foundation? Because Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is our foundation. Watch this. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you, To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness. With long suffering. Bearing with one another. Did you see that? Bearing with one another. What does it mean to bear with one another? Put up with one another. Why? Because we are a holy temple of God. He just said that in in chapter 2. And then he talks about this mystery of the Holy Spirit. And then watch this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. How many baptisms? How many baptisms? One baptism. One God and Father of all. Do you know how many times he used the word one? Seven. Completion is seven. The, the number seven is the number of completion. He's saying, I need you to be one and understand this. To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Go back with me to John 14. When he was talking about sending the Holy Spirit, the very verse after he says, I will send the Holy Spirit. He says, my peace, I leave with you. That Holy Spirit brings the peace and it's peace when the brothers dwell together. How lovely it is when brothers dwell together. 
It's like the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist says, that goes on the head of Aaron, the high priest, and flows down onto his beard and onto his holy robes. This is what it's like when God's people join together and they remember the peace that their Savior King left them when he left them the Holy Spirit. That's the bond of peace. Look, so I may not know a lot of things and I may not be able to just just explain all these mysteries, but one thing I can explain is when you believe, you receive. How do you receive it? I repented of my sins. I turned to God. I was baptized and the Holy Spirit dwelt within me. Because that same book that tells me if I, what, confess with my mouth and believe in my heart says that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. So I know that I have the Holy Spirit. I know that there's one baptism and I got it. I also know that it's something different to be filled. To be filled means you allow this spirit that you have to control you. And I know when I've allowed him and I know when I haven't. And I think you do too. I know that it's not just about me. That it's about us. And I'll be darned if I'll let the enemy create division based on the one thing that's supposed to bring us unity. Do you realize that the talk of the Holy Spirit has brought more division in the church lately? Not just this church, but I'm talking universal. Then it's brought unity in a sense. And here the Bible says this is the bond of peace. The bond that holds us together is peace. And watch 17. This is the way Jesus prays. This is right before his, he's praying and he's praying for all his disciples. And then he prays for the church. And then he prays for us through the generations. And this is what he prays, that we would be one as he and the Father were one. That we would be united in his peace. I get the sense he was praying what Paul called in the spirit. Because Paul says, remember Ephesians, this is salvation. This is how you receive it. Chapter 3, this is the mystery. This is the mystery. Chapter 4, this is how you walk. Chapter 5, don't get drunk on other things. Make sure it's the Spirit of God that's what filling you. Chapter 6, when you, when you are walking in the Spirit, you're going to experience the devil. So make sure you have the armor and you pray in the Spirit. Well, based on Jesus' prayer in chapter 17 and Paul telling us to pray in the Spirit, how do you pray in the Spirit? Paul says, pray for your other brothers. What did Jesus do? He prayed for his disciples and the believers through the ages. And he prayed that we would be united. So, that's my humble message. It's a mystery. But if we keep it simple, we can pull that out of there. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I have a very simple invitation today. First, for those that want to receive. How do you receive? You believe. How do you believe? You repent and are baptized. If you're here today and you want to believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you, a prayer leading you into salvation. Anyone? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Come on, help me encourage. I see your hands, girls, ladies. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. Maybe you've believed, but you've never been baptized. You say, well, I was baptized as an infant, but today, pastor, I see that God is calling me to be baptized as a believer. I want to be baptized. Would you raise your hand right here? I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. And after this, we're going to get signed up at the Connection Center because we're going to have baptisms next week. We're going to get baptized. Amen. Amen. My last prayer is for those who have believed and been baptized, but it deals with the filling. Maybe it's not alcohol that you're allowing to control you, but maybe it's something else. And right now, the power of the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what it is. And I want you to give it to me today. And I want you to walk out of here free. And the Holy Spirit is saying, and I want to fill your life from head to toe. I want to take full control. Would you raise your hand? Wow. 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 Let's start off with those who want to believe. With your head bowed and your eye closed, would you just say, Father God, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins and he rose again. I put my faith in you, Lord Jesus. I turn from my ways and I change my mind and I give you full control of my life. Forgive me of all my sins, Lord Jesus. Seal me with your Holy Spirit for eternity. Holy Spirit, fill me and take full control. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who are getting baptized, we'll sign you up. But for those who want to be filled, can we pray a prayer of repentance and saying, say this with me, right there where you, where you, where you sit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I no longer want to be controlled by anything, by anything except your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me in this moment. Holy Spirit, fill me in this moment. Break any cord, break any chain, break any addiction, break anything that has been controlling me and fighting for me. Instead, I surrender to you completely. I live under your grace and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your son and what he did on the cross and we remember until he comes.
Lord Jesus, thank you for salvation. Church, I kept you a little long. I'm sorry. I love you. I pray it was a blessing.